Welcome to Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity. I'm your host, Irene Cho. This season, we're featuring guests with various perspectives on Asian American topics and the church. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Centering from the Asian American Center. I'm your host, Irene Cho, and I'm so excited to welcome two amazing guests for the topic that we're going to be discussing today, Jennifer Hananucci and Giovanni Penenda, who work at the Fuller Youth Institute. Welcome, both of you. Hi, Irene. Hello. Hello, so, hello, hello. So exciting to have you both here. So today we are going to tackle the really difficult topic of singleness and the church. This is a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. As somebody who did not get married until the ripe young age of 42, singleness was a really huge topic that was a passion of mine, especially in particular in the church environment and the church context, because there is so much pressure to get married, There is so much ideology and believing that you are not a whole person until you get married. And so really advocating for single people has been a huge mission and passion of mine, not just because I've been single, but even now as a married person, I never want to move into the, okay, now, phew, I could start my life actually. But it's been a, it's been an interesting journey shifting as an older single person into married life. So I am thrilled to be tackling this topic as we continue to discuss churches, in particular Asian American church contexts. So thank you both so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. So let's dive in for sake of time. You know, as we think about being single in church, both of you are not quite in the younger category of being, you know, 21 and single. So I thought as I invited you both, it was really perfect because you're not quite where I was at at 42, but you're in that, you're starting to embark in that stage where the phrase that I can't stand of like expiration date, quote unquote, where the pressure to get married and the likelihood of finding a a mate dwells further and further away from reach, you know, being in your mid thirties. So I'd love for you to share what your, both of you, what your journey has been like being in the church as a single person, both serving and, you know, attending. Yeah, I can share first. Being single in the church is as Irene has said before, is not an easy thing. And especially to my history is I was in children's ministry and I've been in children's ministry since my early 20s until I was 30 and then left the church to be at my current role at Fuller Youth Institute. Children's ministry was a really difficult place to be single where you are constantly working with children and parents and parents constantly disregarding you because you don't have any children, but they want you to be the main spiritual uh, <laughs> teacher of their children, but they don't want you to have any authority with their children <laughs> and no authority over them, of course. And I was constantly told like, well, because you don't have any kids, you don't know what it's like, mm. even though I have like over a hundred kids in my care on a Sunday mm. morning. And so that was one aspect that was really difficult being single in the church And then another aspect was just trying to get involved in a, quote, young adult ministry while working full-time ministry. I was lucky enough to be in a full-time ministry role, so I was paid for a a 40-hour-a-week job with the church. 
But at the same time, that also led to a lot of burnout as someone who's a big introvert and who I need my space to not be in extroverted spaces. The church is horrible at creating spaces for introverts and even worse at creating spaces for introverts who are single. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ministries are all just big gathering places and let's just throw people together and make them talk. But all at very superficial levels, the church is at least from my experience, is nothing great at helping people really dive into being really connected outside of a group of five. And so trying to do all that. And I I did have a period in my 20s where I was involved in everything at the church. And I was there probably 50 to 60 hours a week physically at the church because of my job and because of being involved, trying to be involved in the church and be involved with the young adults there and be connected that I got burned out and I just decided, you know what, in order to keep my own sanity and my own boundaries safe, I need to pull back. But that also then disconnected me from a lot of the other young adults in the church. And so there's just this huge disconnect between like what the church expectations were of me as an employee, someone who's single in her 20s, but at the same time saying like, yeah, but you're single, but you need to get married, but we're not going to create space for you to do that well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we're going to make you do it. So, or we want you to do it because our expectation is, especially because you're in children's ministry, that you'll get married and have your own kids too, so that you would now have a voice. And then to throw in another complex thing that I think we'll get to later is the whole purity culture and how that defined for me relationships between men and women, Christian men and women. And I was actually in a very unhealthy non-Christian relationship in my like late teens, early 20s. And so when I came to the church, the first thing that I read about Christian relationships was I kiss dating goodbye. <laughs> and as that was my first like definition of what a Christian relationship could be like, it formed this really unhealthy foundation that I'm still trying to fight through today, what it means to be single and have a friendship with men that's not a romantic relationship. And what does a romantic relationship look like? So that is a, a lot. <laughs> so much <laughs> you would love to hear from you like your story well too. I, I mean i have you know 99 uh, 99 theses you know like my <laughs> myth, my complaints about the church but yeah like uh, my my context is similar to jen you know i'm a youth and college pastor at a at two indonesian churches and i i've been serving since i was like 21 22 And I think like, I didn't start really thinking about, oh shoot, singleness until the other youth pastor got married, Mm. right? And he's actually the pastor's son and he's our like church planner. So although he's a part of our church, a a majority of the time, you know, he's uh, also at another church. And if you really know anything about our church, there are no prospects for me and him at our (laughs) church. Like they're just none, right? And so the fact that he was able to go to another church and you know find a prospect, uh, you know that was great. That was that was good for him and, and everything. But I think the moment when he got engaged, I think it like really hit me. I'm like, oh crap! I I gotta figure out this whole singleness thing as well because in a way I kind of felt like. I was put in the back burner by his dad, the pastor, maybe, um, or or maybe I can't blame him, and it's just the circumstances are are the way they are. Yeah, so like I felt like I was mainly the one taking care of these high schoolers and college kids. So it's like, what more do you want from me, church? Mm-hmm. You know, like you mm-hmm. you 
you have what people call the prime years, right? Your 20s. So yeah, I, I kind of felt a little bit of resentment that I wasn't able to go out and go to another church and you know find prospects or or, or something like that. That I was the one having to, to care or take care of of a lot of these uh, kids and, and students. I mean, that's one. You know, that's that's my context. But you know, I, I have this list, and I don't know. Can I? Do I have time to share? I don't a little know if we have time to do all ninety-five okay. of them, but well, I, I have a list. Why okay. Top three. Top three. Okay. Top three. All right. So top three, and this is this is as a result of me as an Indonesian American having lots and lots of Korean American bros, you know, <laughs> who happen to be pastors. Uh, as well. And um, hopefully I don't get them in trouble or, you know, whatnot. But, um, you know, I was, I was asking this question with them as well. And I think my, our complaints and my complaint is that the idea that the, the church's idea that singleness is a hindrance to ministry. Right. So like the fact that we as single people cannot serve effectively unless we're married and unless we have kids because marriage and kids supposedly equal you know maturity right and and whatnot so i remember uh what i did was i i, I proposed to my female friend we'll call her rachel and uh <laughs> i was like rachel for april fools do you want to get married and so um I remember this yeah and so and part of it wasn't to to make a joke of marriage. Right. It was totally. to prove a totally. point that like, because we both were, you know, around the older age and like, what would it look like for our churches to respond in terms of, of our uh, engagement? And so that's what I did. We did a fake photo shoot in the flowers, the flower fields in, in San Diego somewhere. It was so and, good. Yeah, it was really good. We, we. I edited photos just to make it look like a like an actual engagement shoot. You know, we posted on Facebook, and we we had four thousand likes. Yep, um, I remember. Our, it was crazy. You know, and people kept on like liking it and wishing us like like you know congratulations. And some people are just like shocked and whatever. And then what hit me and the 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 sad part was receiving comments that said some, something like. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Now you're more you're yep. complete. Yep. I got the you're, same. I got complete. the same. And Dang. like that really tore me up inside because it's yep. saying like okay, so I I wasn't like I needed someone else to be complete. Yep. I got like I um got so that thing. that I wasn't secure mm-hmm. in who I was and in myself and um my abilities and and my God-given abilities and whatever. I needed someone else to 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 be complete, like yep. really, really, you know. And, and I hope that doesn't come off across as like prideful. No, like, it's it's legit, man. Yeah, but like that that those comments hit me, and and it, it hit her, and especially as much as I talk about it about singleness as a single, you know, pastor. Like it was so much worse for my friend, you know, Rachel, because she is a woman and she's yep. in the mission field or like she wants yep. to be a missionary. Yep. And, you know, that's another level of scrutiny that that women, go, you know, I, I don't want to mansplain, but like from what she's, totally. told, you know, to me, like that's another level of scrutiny that that mission organizations, totally. you know, look at like, are you married? Are you single? You know, so it was very eye opening yep. for both of us. And, and a, a part of it hurt. 
<laughs> totally. Well, and I, I had this thought, it's like this idea or this concept that you can't fully, what you said, Gio, you can't fully serve until you're married. And yeah. yet there's the flip side of, but we mm-hmm. want you to serve in yourself into the ground. We want yeah. you to serve till you're dead because you're single. So you don't have any obligations. So you have time. of course yeah. you should be available yeah. for all these ex things because, oh, they're married, so they can't come, but you're single. So what are you going to do? Right. And so I, you know, even that it's like as single people, how do we even have self-care because, you know, pay negotiation for our salaries. It's like, well, no, why should you get paid 10,000 more dollars when so-and-so is married and they have kids and they need childcare? You're just single. So you're, it's just you yourself. And so what are you going to do? Go on vacation, like you don't deserve that extra money, even though you might, you are probably working more hours than the married person. So like, there's that idea, you know, again, self-care, why are you going on vacation? You go out, you don't, you have free weekends all the time. So, you know, you shouldn't need to, like, you're not being faithful to God. And, and just, it's like this, this whole idea, again, Gio, what you said, like hit it on the nail, like, And I got all of that. And I kept saying, well, I'm not complete now. Like, and my life is not about to start now. I've had a very, very full life. And I remember, right. And I remember processing right the the next day or the weekend after I got, after I got engaged, I was actually really lamenting and I was mournful because I had this prayer where I was doing communion and I was, you know, kneeling before God and I was weeping because I said, Lord, it's not you and I anymore. Like I'm going to lose this intimate space with you and I have to share it with a man now. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. And I posted about it and that also like w- was received so well by single people and other married people because they were like, mm-hmm. thank you. And I really went through the process of naming how proud I was of the person and the woman who I am and who God had brought me up to be. And so like explaining how I'm ready for the next stage of life, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't complete and whole because God had been so thoroughly working in my life. Amen. Um, yeah. 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 So totally like it's insane. Okay. Yeah. So going from there, what can, you know, we talked a little bit about self-care, et cetera, but what really could be some practical, maybe one, two ideas. Um, and then I want to touch into the purity culture thing because it's so huge, but like, what are one, two suggestions that you could give to your pastor or churches or leaders out there in regards to the single folks in their lives or in their churches? I think you touched on it with a bit, Irene, where single people are told and the church is told as a whole that we need to have empathy for parents and for married people. We need to have empathy when young families are struggling. But you don't hear anything about having empathy for single people and the struggles and the things that they're going through in life. If anything, it's exactly how you described it. It's a, well, you have so much free time and resources Mm -hmm. that you should be giving it back to the church. How dare you try to not give that to us? And so if churches could even just take more time to listen to singles and to really hear like, what do they need in their spiritual lives and their physical lives to keep themselves um, healthy with God, 
others with themselves. And this is something I'd read. I forget where I read it, but they had said that like yeah. everyone yeah. is craving community. And for married people, it's actually built yeah. in community because you have someone there. But for single people, you actually have yeah. to work a lot harder to find community. And the church usually is like, doesn't realize that. So they, so again, a real example is parents usually get dismissed first. Like if it's an all church event and we're cleaning up, people with kids tend to get dismissed mm-hmm. first because they have to relieve the babysitter, which means everyone who doesn't have kids and especially those who are single yep. have to stay behind to do all of the cleaning. And it just creates, so that's just one practical thing where it's like, hey, yep. if you, we're all in this together, let's really all be in this together and not just put all of the burden mm-hmm. on those mm-hmm. who are not married with kids. Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely agree, especially with community and like maybe in addition to community, like like investing in me, meaning like give me the permission to find community elsewhere. And then this is speaking as cool. like a, a youth pastor, like in a church that has no one around my age, you know? Yeah. So like, give me permission to like go to other churches, be with these other churches, because I, you know, I've been trying to find community. Like, I think I've shared with you that I've been friend dating, right? Yep. <laughs> and um, so I've been using this app called Bumble mm-hmm. BFF, uh, which yep. is like this friendship app. And like, I meet other guys around my age uh, with like similar likes, you know, but like just recently last week, uh, I met up with two guys, we were at a bar and it, it kind of saddened me because, well, first, like I, I realized that I like it because FYI, we talk a lot about identity, belonging, purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized it, what saddened me was I didn't find belongingness with them, mm-hmm. but I didn't find belongingness at church. And this is what I mean. These two guys, you know, in addition to talking about things that we like, they ended up talking about their sex lives, right? Mm. They're, they're talking about how, you know, their mission is to, you know, have sex with this girl and that girl, you know, whatever, right? And as a Christian, like, that's not my, my prerogative, you know? Right. But then at, at church, I'm told, so, so I guess what I'm saying is I, I felt less of a man because yep. I wasn't doing what the world thinks a man is supposed to be. Yep. But at church, I also don't feel like a man because I'm told that I'm not a man unless I'm married. Yep. And so the conclusion for me is then, well, if the world tells me that I'm not complete unless I have all this like sex with all these girls and the church tells me that I'm not complete unless I'm married, then where the heck do I belong? You know? Yep. Um, and so I, I, I just need my church to, to, to give me that space to invest in me and allowing me to just go to other churches. So good. Um, Robert Wuthnow, whose book, After the Baby Boomers, How 20 and 30-somethings are shaping the future of American religion, he talks about how the church could has such a harvest field for young adults because of exactly the dilemma you were talking about, Gio. Like so many young people, once they graduate from college, they completely lose the communities that Mm -hmm. they were so used to from high school and then college. And then they enter into young adulthood and go into the workforce. And it's like, so then do I hang out with my coworkers who might not, I might not even like that much. Like they lose this. And so churches have this opportunity and he was, his book was stressing so much much how and yet they're not coming up to meet the needs of that because they're so focused on married on married folks exactly Um, and so yeah it's so essential for that i love it and the the 
you're again, you're not a human because, you know, if you, and I had another friend who was like this and he wasn't even Christian. He, as a non-believer was like, I don't want to get drunk every weekend and like score all the time. He's like, they just want to live a regular life. And yet, you know, the not feeling of fully a man or not feeling fully a woman, if you're not having babe popping out babies, you know, and then if you're not like living into your sexuality, et cetera. So that's so good. Also, like my thing would be stop trying to set up everybody who's single. Like I was so (laughs) thankful once I hit the ripe old age of 35, um, (laughs) because by then 35, it was like, hopeless, you know? And so there were no candidates anymore. And if anything, that was a huge psychological relief because it wasn't anymore like looking at me like, hi, Irene. And then with those hungry eyes of like, who can I set you up with? I'm like, just have a regular conversation. Even if it's about the weather, right? (laughs) (laughs) So after 36, it was like, you're not even looking at me as a regular person anymore, but I will take it because you're not trying to set me up with Joe Schmo over here, who is like, you know, the whole like, oh, you're single, you're single, you're all perfect for each other. No, I'm actually not at all perfect for Joe because he's really kind of a passive guy and I would eat him alive because he's not going to be compatible with me. (laughs) So do better, right? Yeah. So those are some really greatly great suggestions. I would love to dive in as we're closing out here with the whole concept of the purity gospel is so we've been talking, we have a couple of episodes. We're talking about toxic masculinity and the church Two movement yeah. and the purity culture is is so toxic. Josh Harris came out himself and talked about how he re- he's renounced I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I know I have secretly underground been trying to counsel people about what it means to date and that dating is not for the purpose of marriage, but it is for the purpose of self-care and socialization and having a good time. And, you know, what does it mean that we have to be pure. I, I had read this one tweet about the purity culture toxicity that I have to know nothing about sex, no at all. Like I have to be completely pure. And then boom, the moment I say I do and the honeymoon, now my whole entire masculinity is defined by how much of a good lover I am as a yeah. husband in bed. And it's just like this off and on button all of a yeah. sudden. And we don't talk through any of these things of like the natural way of how God has created us, right? It's almost as dualistic, Gnostic type of mentality that period culture is. So I'd love to throw it out to you and your thoughts. And I know, Jen, you can come up with this phenomenal um, concept. So I'd love, Jen, can you share and then we'll go to Gio. Uh, Yeah. So Irene and I were talking about this episode and in preparation, I brought up an analogy about purity culture that it seems that at least for my generation, the purity culture had become the new prosperity gospel, meaning that as long as I keep my virginity, God will reward me for it by giving me a great husband, a great marriage, a great family, which is so along the lines of what the prosperity gospel teaches, which is as long as I do what God tells me to do, he's going to give me prosperity, right? Which is so funny because a lot of the Christian world does shun the prosperity gospel, but so much of the Christian world embraces the purity culture. And I feel, especially as an Asian American, that 
who likes to follow rules. That was something that was super ingrained in me. And purity culture was like rampant when I was in middle school and high school. Purity rings were like huge there. In fact, I even had a purity ring with some friends that I have taken off since then. And no, that does not mean that I am sleeping around, just to be very clear. But the funny thing with the purity ring, again, which goes to the whole idea about marriage, is you, you, you were supposed to wear your purity ring on your left hand ring finger. However, as my mom had pointed out several times, even though she is totally with the whole purity culture thing, but she's like, but Jen, how are men supposed to know that you're available to wear a purity ring on your left hand ring finger? It's like, exactly. How are they supposed to know? Because a decent man should indeed not hit on a married woman. So it's just all of these things that purity culture has created. And I think in so many ways, it has created this unhealthy version of what marriage is. And it's created even an unhealthy version of what it means Mm -hmm. for a male and female to be friends. It's created this warped... I mean, this is, I think, why the side hug has become so popular in Christian circles, because supposedly in the... In the book, it says if you try to give a male and a female did a full-on hug, it creates lust. And it's just like all of these notions about sex and and it's like the church has created this such a taboo topic about something that is so intimate that yep. we really should be talking about. And for me, it has created a self-loathing identity that I've had mm-hmm. to fight through because, and it's also made me, I feel like really blinded yeah. to my other sin because it made me just think that like, well, if I have a lustful thought, that means I'm sinning. So I better just yeah. pray to God that this lustful thought goes away. And just like all of these things, it just like became this fixation for me that I didn't even realize all the other sins I have to deal with and all my other problems because it was easier to just say like, we'll yeah. just be remain a virgin and you'll be fine so it also like was a veil i i wrote down it's so a veil good. of perceived righteousness yeah. virgin. No, no. I, and i totally agree because like it the purity culture kind of damaged my sense of what sex could be and how awesome sex um, could be and i think part of it is you hit a you hit hard there like that sex is like a, sh- a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I know that eventually when I get married, I'm probably going to have to see a therapist yeah. uh, about, about <laughs> yeah. how shameful sex is. Yeah. And, and I think part of it is just because, you know, we've, we've taught boys and girls that, you know, the, for boys, like the, you know, their minds are, are the gateway to sin. And for girls that their bodies are a gateway to sin and that, that they're responsible for not not just for their own purity, but the purity of the other boys and 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 men out there. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what we're advocating um, when we're advocating like the purity culture, at least what what I grew up with. Right. And 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 that's just that's just wrong. And yeah. I don't know. I I wrote down like I wrote down this thing as like what is what is the antidote? Like I I don't know what the antidote is, but like I wrote down that God is neither married nor single. God is relational. Mm, um, and, and so I think I wrote that down mm. at 11 at night just because to kind of remind me that, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the answer, I think, is found in our relationships. But um, totally. we, our purity culture, like, has broken those relationships because of the shame. Yep. The shame and that sexual desire is a shameful thing. Yep. Yeah. And if anything, it's ironically 
because this is what repression does, it then ends up making it, it's Romans 7. Then all mm. Christians do is focus on the sex thing <laughs> because you're repressing the sex yeah. thing. Like, and so it becomes I mean, an idol. There. It becomes an idol. <laughs> and like this <laughs> pinnacle of, again, definition of identity and manhood and womanhood. Yeah. And I, I remember even as a youth leader and as a young adult, you know, person who's ministering to young adults, I was like, let's just lay it out on the table. Let's talk about your sexual desires. Let's talk about all these things because sexual desire is pretty much like your physical need for food. Like sometimes I'm going to crave some pie. Does that mean that like, that's the be all end all of, you know, nutrition? No, yeah. like, you know, it, it's a part of who we are and we don't allow us as human beings to embrace the fullness of that, that I, as a young person, and then again, on the flip side of that, the world is telling us if you don't have sex, you know, every two weeks, then what's wrong with you? And you're, you're going to have blue balls and, you know, everything's going to bust up and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go to the hospital or whatever. And that's also not correct. Cause in actual, I remember watching friends and Ross was like, Oh, I haven't had sex for six months, six months. And I remember I was like, actually, if you haven't had sex, sex for six months, you probably aren't really craving it that much because at that point you're like doing other things or whatever right and so it's just this really extreme you know opposing views and I love what you said Gio and I think that's a great way for us to end is Jesus was all about community. He was all about relationships. And, you know, sex is a certain element by which we do have. And for us to acknowledge it and name it and say what it is and talk about it. Like, I remember, you know, my girlfriends and I, we were, I was like, I just, I just want a human body and another, you know, like hugging me and doing that. And and another, you know, when we talk about love languages, especially for people who have physical touch as their primary love language, you know, I had a gentleman who said he'd love to do serve and volunteer for the baby ministries because he said, you can just hold the infants. And he was like, that for me was just, I could give them love, like by holding them and giving them that, you know? And so now we have these women who, there was a woman, I think she's in England. She is not a sex therapist or anything, but these men pay her to simply cuddle. Mm-hmm. Because they, these single men are craving just the body touch with one another. And this, again, in particular, relates to toxic masculinity in which men are not allowed to touch one another. Like, don't do anything unless it's like, I'm going to slap you on the butt, you know, in a jock way or whatever. And so, like, God has created us. Animals lay with one another. Like, they lounge. If you see lions, right, you, you see there's so much physical rubbing and, and all of those things. And so we need to, as a church, be able to not vilify the, I don't even want to say sexual desires, but the physical needs that we have, you know, with one another and the intimacy. I like what you said, Gio, the intimacy of the relationships. Um, So that's so important. We are out of time. So I think we can end it there. Thank you so much to both of you. These were like mic drops, boom, 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 all over the place. And, you know, obviously this topic is so huge and I hope we can do an even second part of it at some point in the future, because, you know, we want, we need, we need as a church to keep talking about this because there are 
as the statistics show, more single people in churches with people getting married later and later. And the church needs to figure that out. So thank you so much, both of you, for your time and for joining us here. Thank you. So good. Um, Thanks all for listening. This was Centering with the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode. I'm your host, Irene, and hope you have an amazing week. We're all about community at Centering. We invite you to join the conversation by sending your comments and questions at centeringpodcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to visit our website at centered.today for a list of other shows and resources. This episode is produced by Jason Chu, edited by Carl Catedral with music by Mark Redito. I'm your host, Irene Cho. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.